Hello and welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. We are now, can you believe it, on episode 57. And I am delighted this week to be interviewing somebody who doesn't have any HMOs. He's not yet even thinking about investing in HMOs. So you might be asking, why on earth, Wendy, have you brought him onto the podcast? Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy. And this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. So today, I'm really delighted that I have got in the studio um, a brilliant guest for you to listen to. His name is James Moorhen. Now, you might find that name rather familiar because I had another Moorhen on my podcast a few weeks ago. And in fact, it was his brother, Dan, your brother came along, didn't you, James? <laughs> he did indeed, yes. And he was interviewed. So you, listener, might be wondering, who is James Moorhen and why should we care? Well, James and I got connected through his brother, Dan, a few weeks ago because I mentioned rather stupidly that I was running the London Marathon in October. And if you haven't listened to my podcast last week about uh, running the London Marathon and what it's like and how it compares to running a business, then you can go back and listen to that one now. But James has been working with me on nutrition and um, it's been absolutely amazing, James, the difference it has made to my performance, to my feeling of well-being, to everything. And it was for that reason that I wanted to get you on the podcast today, because I just felt that what you had helped me with, you could help many, many more people with. So before we get into all of that, though, uh, first of all, a big welcome to you. Hello. How are we? We're good. Thanks. We're good. Thanks. How are you today? Yeah, very well, very, very well. I'm ex- excited for the uh, the football tonight and um, excited for the Euros in general. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, of course, today we're recording this um, on the afternoon where this evening we've got England v Scotland playing. So what's your prediction? Um, I think 2-0 with a, a Grealish goal in there somewhere. Very good. Yeah, well, we're, we're saying 3-0 actually. So <laughs> we, we'll wait to see what happens. By the time this comes out, we'll know what the score was. Um, so James, just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background. What, what do you do? Yeah, so I guess if we if we go back to where it all started, um, the age of 18 to 21, I had no ambition at all to, to study at university. And so I flew over to Canada and trained as a snowboard instructor. And I basically lived in the mountains for two and a half, three years with an element of traveling in the summer in between. But at 21, I decided to go to Liverpool John Moores University to study a sport and science undergraduate degree. Um, And then because I was kind of a a mature student, so to speak, at 21 rather than 18, um, I fell in love with with studying the the discipline of sports science. So I I stayed on and, and did a master's in sports physiology and then stayed on again at Liverpool John Moores to then uh, start my PhD, which was in sports nutrition. Really lucky at the time that that was a a very, very applied PhD that was sponsored by the university and the rugby club. And so almost what I was learning kind of day to day in the labs and in the library, I was then applying the next day within a professional rugby league setup. So I had one year at Witness Vikings and then I had my second and third year over at Warrington Wolves um, and and basically had four and a half years of immersive, what I would call craft knowledge of being able to apply that scientific literature 
into the professional athlete and and it was an amazing period of my life to be honest um and then off the back of the the phd i graduated and and it was almost yeah it was time to get my first full-time employed role in in professional sport um and fortunately enough i i applied for a role at the fa with england football and so i've now been um at the fa for approaching three and a half years um servicing and, and looking after the the nutrition strategies for the england um football teams and, and in particular i'm looking after the senior women team now who are two weeks away from flying to tokyo for their olympics so exciting times from a, an fa point of view and then i also work with a number of uh, professional boxers and individual athletes trying to excel in their respective sport and, and performance and and you know, additionally, individuals like yourself, Wendy, who are, you know, they've set themselves a performance goal that they're trying to achieve. And, and then I can impart that education to try and help you do that a bit better. Well, that's brilliant. And, uh, you know, as you say, there's there's a lot of interest in sport at the moment. Obviously, we've got a big year of sport ahead of us, despite COVID, despite all the risks. Even today, I was hearing on the news, there's a big debate going on in Tokyo about how they're going to run the Olympics. Uh, are they going to allow spectators to attend? There's a big debate about that. But it's uh, nevertheless, despite what actually happens, there's a huge appetite for sport, isn't there? There's a huge appetite for both spectating and also participating in sport. But Nutrition, I mean, does it really make that big a difference to performance? Yeah, I mean, look, ho hopefully with the education I've provided you, you can firmly answer that with a, a, a yes. And I suppose what, what I've learned over the years, Wendy, with working with the professional athletes is that everything else could stay the same in that individual's day-to-day -day kind of practice or life. But if, if you tweak nutrition favourably, i.e. They're, they're fueling more for their performance or they've increased their protein and they're, they're therefore recovering better after exercise. You, you can have a dramatic change in that individual's life for the fact that they're trying to better their performance. And, and I guess in, in probably more relatable for the, the, the listeners of this podcast is that if you're that individual that has a, a long day and you know you're out on the road and you're on your visiting properties and you're meeting people and you've got meeting after meeting and and you don't put fuel in the tank and you don't give yourself the energy to last the day then what normally happens is that we get to a period of the day where we think oh my god i haven't eaten anything and it's quick grab anything that we can find and majority of the time the stuff that's in the wrappers are the processed foods that aren't really going to be the best foods for us um, and if we back that kind of day to day, week to week, all of a sudden we, we've got a nutritional intake and a nutritional strategy that is not really concurrent with probably the body composition that people would like to have, i.e. less fat mass and more muscle mass. And so to answer your question bluntly, I mean, you, you know how passionate I am about this. Nutrition does matter and it, and it matters more so than ever at the moment with the worldwide pandemic that we've got going on yeah that's um that's a good answer I'll, I'll i'll give you that one that's a very good answer yes i think it's very true that um having worked with you just for a very short time i've definitely seen uh an increase in my performance which is 
you know, really nothing to speak about, by the way. <laughs> Please but, don't. But you had, uh, you had your quickest run ever, didn't you? I had my fastest. Uh, yeah, I got a PB for my half marathon. So that that was really <laughs> nice to get that. And actually, it wasn't just the speed that I ran it. In fact, it was what was very interesting for me was having followed your advice. And we'll get into the sort of nuts and bolts of that in a, in a moment. But having followed your advice in terms of what to eat and when, I actually felt much better during the run. I didn't feel exhausted. I didn't feel dehydrated. I didn't have dips in my energy. I felt my energy was very sustained and even throughout the whole run. Um, my pace got faster as I was running, which is ideally what you want. You want to do something really called negative splits in longer runs where you start off and you're going a little bit slower. And then the second half you, you speed up. And I could do that without actually even noticing I was doing that. Now, that's a great feeling when you, you know, you look at your watch. I wear a sports watch to see what pace and what time I'm doing. And it's great to be able to look at the watch and think, hey, I'm going, you know, 20 seconds faster per mile than I was five miles ago. Mm. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, it gives you a lot of confidence as a runner. And I think also afterwards, I felt I recovered much better. Sometimes on the longer runs, and I'm now into that period of training where I'm doing at least a half marathon run per week. And, and in fact, this weekend, I'm doing a 15 miler. Um, and you know, when you get to that length of time, you are running generally slower per mile because you've got to sustain your energy over all that time. And in the past, I would have just flaked out for the rest of the day. I was absolutely exhausted. I couldn't do anything. And even the next day, which is often my recovery day, I'd be feeling absolutely shattered. Whereas okay, my running has probably improved. I'm probably a bit fitter as well. But I have to say, I think the nutrition in terms of recovery has been a revelation to me that it can make such a difference in terms of recovery. Yeah. Now, of course, people listening today may not be runners. I don't blame them if they don't run. Um, you know, we, we've all got to find something that sort of floats our own boat. Um, but there are some lessons that we can learn, I believe, from sports nutrition that can be applied whenever you're in a business or in a lifestyle that's very demanding. And I think for people who, as you as you spoke about just then, are maybe in a full time job, they're looking to get involved in property. They might be building up a, an HMO or a single buy to let property portfolio, and they just find they're flaked out at the end of the day. What advice would you give to somebody to think about their diet, to think about nutrition? What do you tend to see that people aren't eating that they should be eating or aren't eating enough of that would really help them? Yeah, and, and this is almost like the golden question that, that gets asked quite a lot. Um, and normally it, it, you would try and work with the individual on a very individual basis because your lifestyle is very different to mine. And so is the 10,000 other people that may or may not listen to the podcast. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's individual and it has to fit your lifestyle and your current daily kind of habits and behaviours. But you're right, there are some key principles that we can follow. The first thing that I would like to talk about is the individual's carbohydrate content that they consume over the course of the day. So I would ask the listeners to reflect right now and think about their current carbohydrate intake that they consume in a 24-hour day and think about where is the biggest portion of carbohydrates that they're having and majority of the time in the Western population, it tends to be that evening meal. Now, the problem with that is that the evening meal and that evening period is normally the period of the day where we are least active. So we're almost fueling 
uh, an area of the day where arguably we don't actually need the fuel going in the body. And, and that's where the period of the day is where we normally sit down and it's feet up and it's, it's what's Coronation Street or whatever the viewing might be. So it, it's asking the listeners to, to look at that and think, OK, well, actually, where am I most active during the day and where do I need the fuel going into the body in what period of the day? And, and the way that we explain this with the professional athletes is that we're asking them to put energy in their tank. We're asking them to consume carbohydrates and consume carbohydrates so that we can put glycogen within the muscle so that they can train in the morning and they can train in the afternoon. In, in this instance, it's are we eating enough carbohydrates at breakfast and lunch so that we can fuel all of the energy that you need to go and perform during the day, whether that's walking from one HMO to the other one, whether it's running up and down flights of stairs, chasing the builders, you know, whether it's commuting across the country. So I, my first recommendation would be that people shift the amount of carbohydrates that they consume in the evening to more during the daytime where that's the area where we're likely to be more active. So that's looking at carbohydrate. Now, the other area, which I know we spoke a lot about is, is people's protein intake. Now the world health organization's current recommendations is that 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein should be consumed per day. So to keep that really simple for maths, if you were a hundred kilo individual, that would be 80 grams of protein. Now, that's okay for the general person in, in, in the world. But I would argue that actually that needs to be a little bit more for people that are highly active and people that need to perform, whether that's an elite athlete or someone who's running a business and is very, very energetic every day. So with the athletes, we try and get that up to 1.5, if not two gram per kilo of body mass of protein per day. And I remember when I first told you that and your eyes lit up to think, oh my God, how am, I, how am I going to consume that amount of protein? But actually it's really easy to do because for example, if, if we add in a, a Greek yogurt at mid morning that contains 20 grams of protein, all of a sudden that's 20 grams gone and, and that's in the bag. If we then add in you know, um, a glass of milk in the afternoon with a slice of bread and a, a bit of ham on, all of a sudden we've got another 20, 30 grams. So it's just being really smart about where that protein comes from. Um, the other reason that I like to focus on protein so much is because protein has a greater satiety effect than carbohydrates and fats. And so it keeps people fuller for longer. We, we, we try and minimize that feeling of hunger and craviness that people might have in that mid afternoon roundabout now, to be honest, <laughs> that mid afternoon period of the day where, you know, people are getting hungry, they're craving. And that's where we tend to opt for the food that's in the wrapper that might not be as healthy for us. So if we can bring our carbohydrate content to during the day when we're more active, that's a great win. And if we can increase our protein content in the diet over the course of the day, then that's a great win as well to allow the muscle to repair and recover from a very long day ahead. Um, and, and the other thing that I see people do very poorly, which is very easy, is hydration. It, and I know we've had a great week of weather, maybe not today, but with the summer months now, it's so important to stay, in, to stay hydrated and to try and keep the urine a nice pale colour. The moment that that urine starts to turn yellowy, kind of orange colour, you know, we're in trouble and the dehydration kicks in. And the problem with dehydration is that we then don't think straight. 
uh, our ability to focus in a meeting disappears. And then because we're not um, thinking straight and we're not concentrating properly, that's where we become lazy. And then we tend to go and pick the food that we know is probably not as good for us as something like uh, a healthy dinner or a healthy lunch. So they're, they're probably three quick tips that mm. I would recommend people um, implement straight away. I mean, I can certainly say that having you kind of examine what I was eating before and give me some recommendations, actually, you said to me, you know, reassured me that generally my diet was pretty healthy. Um, it was, um, you know, it was it was good. But you could see that perhaps I wasn't always eating at the right time in relation to when I was exercising and also that I needed to improve my protein intake. So really, those two things were big takeaways for me that actually if I could fuel more while I was exercising, particularly on some of those longer runs and um, make sure that I had enough protein throughout the day. And as, as you say, just slightly tweak when I was eating what I was eating, that that would make a big difference. And and, you know, I have to say it, it really did. It really has made a difference. And I quite often have very, very busy days, as you can well imagine. Um, and I'm up quite early in the morning. And as you know, James, uh, you know, Tom, our son is a very, very committed swimmer. Um, he's a very good swimmer, very committed swimmer. He's got big plans and ambitions for his own future. And, uh, you know, so as you know, swimmers, we're often up at sort of 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, getting out and getting the pool while it's available and while there's training sessions on. So we're often up very, very early. And uh, if I've got an event in the evening, I might not be in bed till maybe sort of 10.30, 11 o'clock at night which is almost like middle of the night to me. Um, so I've got to maintain that energy level throughout the whole day. And I, and I think there'll be people listening today who kind of go, yeah, I get that. I'm in the same bucket. And not only do I have to, you know, think about uh, meetings and developments and children and parents and all the rest of it. Um, they might have, they might still have a full-time job. They might still have other commitments that have got to They've got to see themselves through the day. Um, so energy management, I think, has always been something that I've been aware of. Uh, in fact, my my mom used to say to me, uh, you have got the same level of energy that my mother had. So in other words, I from my grandma, I think I must have inherited an energetic sort of personality, I suppose, more than anything. But I have in the past got exhausted. I have you know, at nine o'clock at night, sat down on the sofa and literally within five minutes, I'm really ready to go to bed. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm so tired. But recently, I feel as if my tiredness has abated somewhat. Um, I still obviously get times when I'm tired. But generally, uh, I, I feel that I, my energy levels have, have been much, much better. So do you, do you think that timing of food um how how much does timing of food matter and how much does that that kind of quality of food really matter in terms of energy management yeah look i think it's massive and and in the nutrition world we talk about the three t's of nutrition so that's timing type and total so what time of day are you actually consuming the food that you're consuming what type of food are you consuming is it carbohydrate protein or fat and what's the total amount so if the listeners can think about the three T's every time they're about to consume food or fluid, then that should really help them move in the right direction. And, and in particular to timing, um, I, I've been thinking of the best kind of analogy to use in, in the world of HMOs. And, and I was thinking earlier about Christ, if I was, if I was working on a multi-million pound HMO 
that would 100% require a lot of cash. So if we think about cash now as our calories, if you're then the individual that has a very, very busy, hectic lifestyle and, and you are requiring a lot of calories to go through that day because you're very energetic, you've got an 18 hour day ahead of you full of meetings, then for you to get to the end of the day and not fall off the wagon, you're, you're going to have to give yourself the calories. You're going to ha have to fuel. And in, in the HMO, going back to the analogy there, if you want the HMO to be a successful project, you're going to have to pump the cash into the project. And so it's the same in our world that if the athlete or your listeners as their performance, if they want to have a really good day from a nutritional point of view, you have to consume the calories. Now, would you consume two and a half thousand calories at breakfast and, and just be done with it and hope that that lasts the whole day? That is one approach, but it's probably not the approach that I would recommend. What I would try and do is split that over the course of the day. And so where possible, we, we educate our, our athletes to, to try and consume regular portions of high quality nutrition every two to three hours so that you're almost topping up. It's almost like you're, you're going to the pit stop and the Formula One car is having the wheels changed, a little bit, little bit of petrols going in and off they go again to do 20 laps at the, the fastest lap they can do. But they can't sustain that energy all day. They've got to come back at some point and top up again. And so if we've got listeners that are, you know, nonstop all day, if you don't top your own energy levels up and you don't fuel yourself correctly, you, you will crash at some point towards the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so true, isn't it? And I think that, that that's a cycle that people can get into. Um, you know, they're doing their very, very best. Uh, they're, they're creating an additional stream of income. They're developing their business, but they're maybe not thinking about their own needs, their own, you know, uh, physical needs for nutrition. James, for a lot of people listening, they'll be going, yeah, I, I know that's what I should be doing, but it's really hard to find the time to prep these healthy meals that I can take out on the go. Do you have any kind of quick wins for people who maybe have that kind of lifestyle, who realize that they could improve their nutrition, but don't have some of the kind of quick wins that I'm sure you know that they could use to improve that? Yeah, and and for the, for the busy person or, or busy athlete there are many quick wins that you can go down and it, it really all comes down to when you're in the shop and you're actually buying the food what is it you're buying because what you buy will be what's in the fridge and therefore is in the cupboard and that's then the things that you're going to go and get so I mean my my weekly shop staple on my weekly shop is Greek yogurt it's milk it's um, eggs I've got ham I've got salmon and and when I say ham and salmon, it, it's cooked salmon and it's, you know, it's ready for me to open the packet, put it into a little bit of bread and, and happy days. I've got 20 grams of protein. So it, it comes down to what you buy. So if people are happy to consume dairy products, then I, I would be Greek yogurt for me has to go in that fridge every single week, because what you can do with Greek yogurt is you, you know, you've either got the tubs that you can just grab and consume straight away or you can then put that in with some granola in the morning and you've got a relatively healthy uh, breakfast. Um, frozen fruit, uh, the blueberries, raspberries, strawberries. I always try and recommend people buy frozen berries rather than the fresh berries because one, it's a lot cheaper and two, they last a lot longer. 
and and they've got the same nutritional content they're, they're just frozen and the other thing that i would recommend every everybody buy is a smoothie maker of some form <laughs> which i know we discussed a lot but it is so quick and it is so easy in the morning when we are all rushing everyone's busy to put 200 mils of milk in either dairy or plant-based milk um, a scoop of whey protein so that would be another thing that you could buy uh, a handful of frozen berries a banana uh, you know half a cup of oats blend it up and you could even take it with you in the car on the way to work you know that's a pretty decent breakfast to be consuming every day which apart from the noise it might create in the morning would only take about two minutes to to get ready um, actually i have to say also on that point we did that we we took up your recommendation and we uh, we've got we didn't get a nutribullet by the way this is not sponsored this podcast yeah. um we got another one that was really highly rated on amazon um yeah. better i think actually than the nutribullet and it's been absolutely fantastic every single day that machine is on yeah. uh, blending up a new version of uh, a whitaker large smoothie and yeah. of course the great thing is i mean i had one at lunchtime and it was simply berries milk a scoop of strawberry uh, protein powder and some spinach um, because I had meetings back to back and this is the only thing I could have. Yeah. I have to say, I'm still satiated from that now. Uh, you know, it's, it's middle of the afternoon and um, I, I might have a, I might have something else, you know, in a little while after we finish the podcast and then I'll be fine till dinner. Um, and it, it, I think it's the fact that uh, you've got uh, vitamin C, you've got all that, that really, really good nutrition in there. It's so quick and easy. You drink it so it doesn't take any time at all and yeah. it fills you up and that's yeah. been such a revelation to me because i i thought that smoothies would make me fat and they would just be a sort of substitute for um water but in fact they are really in some ways a substitute for a meal in fact it's <laughs> i've become a bit addicted to them james it's your fault yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's just just a, a little word there on the on the whey protein that you know it it's not all about supplements, but what supplements can do is supplement a, a very good diet already. And so if, if you've got a, a very good nutritional intake, but you are super busy, it can be very, very quick and efficient to simply put a scoop of powder into a shaker and consume it with water or milk or a smoothie and, and know that you're getting an extra 20 grams of protein. And I go back to my previous comment that you know, we see it time and time again, people just aren't consuming enough protein at the moment. And it's, it's, it's a, it's an area that people should really um, uh, improve a lot, because it's so important that we look after the muscle that we have, because unfortunately, as you get past the age of 21, 24, 27, we do start losing our muscle, and it becomes really difficult to keep it. So unless we're going to exercise, then we have to get the protein in from the diet to make sure that we're looking after the muscle. And the best win is that you exercise and you get the protein in. Mm. So what do you feel about supplements, protein bars, protein shakes, protein powders, all of that kind of thing? I, you know, I know there's some people who'd be kind of cynical about it. And I must admit, I used to feel like, am I going to put lots of, you know, chemicals into my body? Should I be having this stuff? What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic because I, I actually read the article and, and watched a little bit of the processed foods documentary the other week. And when, when we talk about processed foods, you know, Biltong, for example, 
vegetable it could be classed as a processed food dried meat because it's it's meat and then it's been dried and it's been processed in a way so the the one area that we almost want to stay away from is the ultra processed foods where there's 25 30 ingredients in in a small packet and it's very confusing as to what on earth has actually made up this food but for me as a performance nutritionist working with professional athletes supplements do have their time and place you know i i might have a boxer who is trying to make weight and he's forcibly consuming less calories than he's expending because we're trying to drop body weight and in that instance, he might be more susceptible to picking up an illness. So what I would do with him, for example, is I, I would definitely add in a multivitamin and I would definitely add in zinc and I would probably add in vitamin D because there's a purpose as to why I'm adding that supplement in. I'm trying to look after the athlete's immune health. Of course, he's still consuming a good diet to get the vitamins and minerals in, but I don't want to run the risk of him picking up an illness. In, in the situation of, the, of your listeners, you know, consuming protein powder, in my opinion, there is no problem with that regard, as long as you're consuming a, a good kind of baseline, fundamental nutritional intake behind it, and it becomes a supplement. It supplements a good diet. Similar with a multivitamin, you know, if you're someone that doesn't like to consume loads of vegetables and, and loads of fruit because you're quite picky, consuming a multivitamin every day might be a good option to make sure that you're not deficient in certain vitamins and minerals. Um, and, and, and then things like, uh, you know, omega-3 as a supplement. So fish oils, there are some people that just do not like fish. They don't like fish. They don't like the taste of it. They don't like the smell of it. But in your instance, if you're going out and doing a 15 mile run and you need to recover as quick as you can, but you're not a fish eater, omega-3 supplement might be something that we bring into your nutritional strategy to help with that inflammation that there might be in the muscle after your 15-mile run because there's a performance purpose for that supplement. One thing I would say is that there are many uh, supplements that are branded to um, help with fat loss and, and help strip fat, and, and none of that exists. It, it, it is all a myth. The way that you drop fat, mass is that you exercise and you control your nutritional intake and if you do that over time you will you will begin to drop weight so the uh, kind of to end on the supplements there you have to be really careful about what the supplement is branding itself to be doing um but if any listeners want to reach out to me and and i guess discuss that in further detail i'd be more than happy to educate on that yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. Because I think that there is a lot of confusion about supplements. I think there's lots of controversy about supplements. Some people are very heavily into them and, and maybe don't just use them to supplement, but actually use them as a substitute. And what you're yeah. saying is they're not a substitute, they're a supplement. And we've got to remember that. Um, yeah. And also there's a wide range of supplements out there. Some of them that have proper standards applied to them and others, which are definitely a bit more dodgy and you want to avoid. So James, yeah. that's a great offer that if anyone is interested and wants to know a bit more or maybe has a, um, you know, would like some recommendations from you, you'd be willing to give that, which is a really, really kind offer. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. And I, I work with, um, I work closely with a number of um, supplement companies that we, we would recommend to our professional athletes. And, and they are for me, the companies that you buy from. So uh, we can either put them in the show notes or again, if people want to reach out and, and likewise, I work very closely with a food preparation company. So the boxers who 
what they need to do in that camp is make weight. And that's the important thing that they need to do. They don't want to worry about cooking lunch and dinner. So I work with a company where I will tell the company, these are the calories that I need in lunch and dinner. This is how many carbs, this is how many proteins. And they will make that and they'll send it to the, the athlete. So if, if you've got listeners that are ridiculously busy, but they would be happy to pay for a company that would look after lunch and dinner, then of, of course we can link them into that company as well. And, and, you know, I would highly recommend them. Great. Great. Okay. So in terms of uh, final word on, on focus, we talked a bit about energy, energy management, how that, uh, how nutrition can really help with that. Um, the, 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 the other topic that I wanted to discuss with you today is how you think nutrition, uh, what, what parallels it has in the professional sports world with the business world and specifically with regards to focus. Yeah, and I think um, probably the first thing that people would think about with focus is caffeine and, uh, and, and the coffees. So before we go on to that, um, I would just draw the listeners back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, um, carbohydrates and having the energy. So, you know, we must remember that one gram of carbohydrate and one gram of protein are both four calories. So they're, they're, they're worth the same. You know, it's, it's like the sterling and the euro being exactly the same. So they, they are the same, but fat is nine calories per one gram. So that's why we don't want to be consuming this high fatty diet because all of a sudden we'll get loads of calories we don't want. If we think about protein as the calories that help repair and, and grow the body and the muscle, carbohydrate, therefore, is, is that food component that's going to give us the energy and the levels that we need to then go ahead and focus combined with the hydration as well. So it's important that let's say, for example, when the after this podcast, you've got a two hour meeting. My recommendation to you would be to say, hey, let's get some carbohydrates in because we need some energy going into that meeting because you've got to focus. You, you need the brain to focus. We know from the literature there's strong links of blood glucose in the brain and the ability to focus. So let's get some carbohydrates into the body before that meeting. Easy win might be a banana. 20, 30 grams of carbohydrates. In we go. Two hour meeting. Happy days. So carbohydrates are going to be key for the energy levels. Outside of that, then you've got caffeine. Now, I, I really enjoy coffee. I, I love drinking coffee throughout the day. And of course, we can utilize caffeine as a way to give us the energy that we may need. Um, now, there, there will be people that that obviously don't drink um, caffeinated drinks. So we can focus on the hydration with those individuals. But for those that do drink coffee, it's important that we understand how long that takes to have an impact and importantly, then how long it lasts as well. And that will come on to kind of sleep later on in the evening. So just very briefly, normally caffeine takes about 30 to 45 minutes to have its effects. So we have to drink the coffee absorb it digest it and then it crosses into the into the blood but that takes about 30 to 45 minutes to for you to get your peak caffeine levels the half-life of caffeine is around six to eight hours so if you if you're an individual that has a coffee at 8 a.m in the morning you then have a mid-morning coffee 10 30 you then have one at lunchtime and you have one in the afternoon you, you're almost stacking each coffee on top of each other because your first one that you had at 8am 
wouldn't actually leave the circle or wouldn't leave the body, so to speak. The half-life wouldn't disintegrate until about two in the afternoon. But you've already had mid-morning and lunchtime coffee on top. So you're stacking this caffeine into the blood and the circulation. And what happens there is then later on in the evening, that can seriously affect the, the ability for the individual to go to sleep. And I actually speak to my brother about this all the time because he's the classic person that says, I can have a coffee at eight o'clock at night and go to sleep, no problem. Now, you might go to sleep, but Dan's quality of sleep when he's asleep is not good enough. So he might be asleep, but he's not dipping into the important deep sleep that he needs to to then rejuvenate and recover and, and be back to his best ability the next day. So the, the, the final thing I'd say on the coffee there is that if people are consuming it throughout the day, just be really smart about when your last caffeinated coffee is. And by all means, have a mid-afternoon coffee, but maybe you want to now opt for a decaf coffee at Costa or Starbucks or Cafe Nero. There are others available <laughs> in, instead of the caffeinated one, because that can seriously impact the, the quality of sleep later on in the evening. And I guess if you stack that day to day, some people get to the back end of the week and they are knackered because simply they haven't been sleeping properly because of this impact of caffeine. And that, I think that's a really good point that nutrition does fuel our circadian rhythm as well, doesn't it? That we have a natural rhythm. Some of us are early birds. I'm probably an early bird. I used to be a bit more of a night owl, but I've sort of shifted since having a family. I'm definitely more of a, an early bird now and have my energy peak in the morning. But um, if, if I have anything caffeinated, probably after about five or six in the evening, I definitely do feel it. By 10 p.m., I'm wide awake and I can't settle down to sleep. So it, it does have an impact. And you're absolutely right that sleep is also another element of that, that lifestyle that we need to pay attention to. And quality of sleep is so important, isn't it? Because without that, you, you, you're not going to um, uh, digest your food properly either, anything you've eaten in the evening. Uh, and, and, and that can be a problem as well for the next day. And, and it sets up a vicious cycle. So yeah. managing what you drink drink is obviously as important as what you actually eat definitely and just on that drink um area there so i, I was reading a stat the other day of the um increase in off-license alcohol purchases during lockdown and it went up about 30 percent. so pe people okay we were forced into a lockdown it wasn't fun for anyone but people decided to drink more alcohol and, and I know every industry, you know, at some point has their meals out and their drinks and, you know, it's part of their culture. But if you are someone that is drinking alcohol, you know, a glass of wine a night or a bottle of beer every now and then, again, just, just be aware that you've got calories in the alcohol. And also it's, gonna, it's not going to do any favours for your hydration levels before you go to sleep and also your quality of sleep as well. So I always recommend um, the elite athletes that if they, especially the rugby players that I used to work with where drinking beer is massive, I, I basically said, you know, let, let's stop drinking pints and let's actually start drinking bottles because straight away we're reducing the liquid and we're reducing the calories and the fat. So that, that was just a quick hack that the rugby players could do. They could still have a beer after a game and celebrate, but we shifted it from pints to bottles. So again, it's just um, a consideration for people that if they are drinking alcohol. 
That's a really good tip, actually. And uh, I'm not teetotal, although Andy is. So, he, you know, he, he doesn't drink any alcohol, but I'll, I'll maybe have a couple of drinks a week. And that's about it, because I know that um, the next day I can not just feel great, even if I have one glass of wine, which is about as much as I ever drink. I have a very boring lifestyle, I'm afraid, James. Um, but it does, uh, you know, it's lovely to, to enjoy a glass of wine. But I think uh, having too many uh, definitely does have an impact on, on my energy levels and my feeling of being alert and awake the next morning um and and it probably has that that similar effect on other people too yeah yeah great okay well listen thank you so much james it's been really really great to have you on today really appreciate your time and your input um it's going to be very interesting to uh, to hear what people's reactions are to their their own diet, their own nutrition, having listened to what you've said. Um, I think too often, uh, you know, the world of performance, performance nutrition has been focused very much on sport. And, you know, as, as a nation, we're very keen to see our sportsmen and women perform. And you're doing an incredibly valuable job there with the, with the FA team. And, you know, we look to find out their great results in the Olympics. We'll be ha- having our eyes glued to the screen to see whether... <laughs> their performance improves because of what you've been coaching them on um we look forward to that but also um the impacts on one's own life as a business owner uh, a leader um an hmo investor or a property investor who might be doing it alongside a job or caring responsibilities uh you know i i I hope people pick up maybe one or two things from this podcast and put it into action and can tell us later yeah it's made a massive difference so i'd like to say thank you ever so much indeed for your time today James it's been incredibly valuable as always to speak to you and we will put in the show notes put uh, links to where people can find you if they want to contact you about getting some advice or help um, getting some feedback um, and some uh, ideas about nutrition supplementation and so on Um, so thank you ever so much for being here today enjoy the match tonight yes I will will, 100% (laughs) no thanks for the invite Wendy and um yeah, look, I hope I hope there's some uh, nuggets in there that people can take and put into practice straight away. Thanks, James. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.